Welcome to The Squeeze, your home for baseball content from opening day to the final out of the World Series. Hosted by Logan Lockhart and Tyler Milliken. Brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk. Yes, that's right. It's The Squeeze. I'm Logan Lockhart. That's Tyler Milliken. And it is presented by Primetime Sports Talk. The Squeeze, if you're watching, it's on YouTube. If you're listening, it's wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, it's presented by Primetime Sports Talk. Tyler, interesting stuff with the Red Sox this weekend. It got off to a good start, that series against Toronto. And the crowd was rocking. I was loving it. But then you see a couple slugfests not going in the Red Sox' favor. Yeah, the slugfests. Wow, man. I'm telling you, Blue Jays hitting the most home runs by a visitor ever at Fenway Park. Um, I legit am terrified of Vlad Guerrero Jr. still having nightmares today. Uh, but you know, it's kind of disrespectful to say that to that entire lineup, whether you want to go to Bo Bichette or Teoscar Hernandez or Kevin Vigio, uh, or even Alec Manoa, who pitched a great game, uh, in the last game of the series. I'm telling you, even though it was a split, I came away and I'm like, wow, this Blue Jays team, no George Springer yet. The pitching injuries they've had uh, in the rotation and the bullpen. Nate Pearson's still obviously not on the big league club and, you know, a AAA working through some things. Wow. Uh, Blue Jays have one of the brightest, maybe the brightest uh, future in the entire sport. And George Springer just started another rehab assignment yesterday and we're recording this on Wednesday. So he started on Tuesday so that's encouraging. It'll be interesting if the lineup, because Marcus Simeon is loving that leadoff spot. And that's okay. I mean, George Springer has hit all over the place in his career. The, the whole leadoff hitter thing for him was kind of thrown at him, and he excelled. Good for him, but he can hit anywhere in a lineup. Now, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., quickly, before we move on, there, a busy, busy week in Major League Baseball. There's more quote-unquote controversy. I don't know what to call it, but we'll get to it. But Vlad Guerrero Jr., I mean, if the season ended today, he's won the Triple Crown. That's insane to me. And we expected him to bounce back in a big way and kind of have that breakthrough, but not like this. You don't have a breakthrough where you're a triple crown candidate. I mean, is triple crown legit? Is that even fair to bring up? It is. When you're watching the way he's swinging the bat, it's not something that's fluky. It's not something you're watching and you're like, you know, not to disrespect Nick Castellanos right right now, but, you know, he's leading the NL in batting average, actually the entire MLB. He's not going to do that over the course of a 162-game season. He's having a great start to the year, and he's going to put up really good numbers. You're watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now. There's not a ball that comes off his bat that is soft, that is even slightly that. Even when he's out, it's like, oh, my God. And just sitting there last night, there's not many hitters in the game today where I sit in the ninth inning like I did when I was a kid, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, this is it. And watching that finale, watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. go up against Matt Barnes like he did, it felt like everybody knew what was going to happen. Uh, And listen, Matt Barnes has been one of the best relievers in baseball. I wasn't rooting for Vlad Guerrero Jr. to hit that home run. But, man, it went so damn far. That thing, oh, my – the estimation, whatever the distance was, did not give it justice. That looked like it could have been 480, 500 without even a blink of an eye. Um, and just looking at where he is right now, I brought up some interesting stats. Uh, so comparing the last Triple Crown winner, Miguel Cabrera, back in 2012. So they're both through 65 games this point at this point in the year. You look back to Miguel Cabrera, what were his numbers through 65 games? And this is, you know, an environment where there was more offense before pitchers were dominating and we had the problems we do have today. Uh, Miguel Cabrera hit 314, 370, 
542, 9-12, with 14 home runs, 53 ribbies, and a 144 weighted run created plus. Wow, that's a great line, right? Mm-hmm. You look, Miggy, yeah. wow. Then you look at Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's hitting 345, 450, 690, a 1139 OPS, 22 home runs, 56 ribbies, 41 walks to 44 Ks, and a 204 weighted runs created plus. That tells you right now, and listen, I'm no math major, but he's been a 60% better hitter than Miguel Cabrera, who won a triple crown that year. Yep. Wow. 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 What else can you say, really? I mean, he's just off to this incredible start. And even when he's slumping, it's maybe for a a game and a half, maybe. I mean, really, that's what it's been. He doesn't really slump. He doesn't go through a stretch where he's not seeing the ball well or, uh uh-oh, that breaking ball, he's not hitting it well here. No, I mean, look, he's seeing the ball great. And the Blue Jays have themselves, uh, I think, starting in 2021 here, I think it's fair to say a perennial MVP candidate. You're and you're right. They had Josh Donaldson in 2015. I mean, look, Donaldson, I, I don't think was an MVP candidate every single year. You know, um, Vlad Guerrero Jr., look at how young he is. This is a guy for the next decade that can actually be in that conversation. Maybe the first player in franchise history. No, he's 22. And like, this is, if this is just feels still like it's, it's weird. It feels like he's still scratching the surface. He, you know, everything's clicking. Don't get me wrong, but we saw the different swing adjustments he's had to go through in order to start lifting the ball like he is now. Uh, the weight he's lost. It feels like there's another, almost like there's another gear, you know, as he kind of matures and he grows into what it's like to be a true, you know, big leaguer. Uh, and obviously that adjustment has taken some time, but I- I'm looking at Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now. He- he's not going anywhere. He is going to terrorize baseball in the ALEs for years to come. You're looking at, you know, I was reading today, Vlad Guerrero Sr. never finished first or second at the end of any season in any of the triple crown categories. This is a guy who was a second ballot hall of famer. Uh, you know, one of the stars of, you know, the last, you know, 25 years of baseball, you know, even a little farther back now. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's something truly remarkable. I don't know if it's getting enough attention. It really doesn't feel like it is with all the issues going around the sport right now, but eventually people are going to turn and look at Vlad or look at uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and just realize, wow, you know, this is the next Miguel Cabrera. This is the next, you know, hitter that really changes everything. The landscape of baseball. Yep. He uses all the sides of the field too. He hit a home run at Fenway. It was to, to right center. You know, I mean, he, with ease, he's not, yeah, with ease. Right. And it, it, he makes it look easy. It's effortless for him. Uh, he gets on base at a high rate. He walks, like you say, that, that K, to walk ratio is incredible and that's something that he's really cleaned up on because that was a problem for him last year and he's taken that with a snap of fingers all right it's over right the guy's an on-base machine like Miguel Cabrera you don't see these kind of adjustments from someone this young it doesn't matter how great the pedigree is who it may be what whatever top prospect you want to cling to you know in recent years that is been at the level of Vlad Guerrero Jr., whether you look at a Bryce Harper, for example, none of these adjustments have ever come like this, where it's just hitting hitting the ceiling, it all clicking at the same time. We saw, you know, a Bryce Harper go up and down, up and down, and then it did click for an MVP season. But we've seen it hasn't been as consistent, even though he is an underrated player in this game today. I'm, just, I'm looking at Vlad Guerrero Jr. It's just the bats in a different level. I have a hard time comparing him to even a Bryce Harper because they're just right now the bats aren't comparable. It's a no. different level. And really the only person you can even put in this realm, uh, and you know, a 200 plus 
weighted run created plus, you know, I don't, that's very unfair to think he could sustain that over a year. Um, but even if he takes a step back, you know, we're talking, these are Mike Trout numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think you'll get a chuckle out of this. I don't think Blue Jay fans would, but imagine Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in a Red Sox uniform playing at Fenway. He looked like he was in paradise playing at that ballpark. What was it? What would his numbers be if he was a Red Sox? It might be better. We're talking Barry Bonds here. Yeah. Like you start to look and honestly, imagine if that entire Blue Jays lineup and the Red Sox have one of the better lineups yeah. in baseball, but oh, it, it's just, it's relentless. It's terrifying to go down that order. And for a Red Sox rotation, listen, they sucked for sure over that weekend, but they've been one of the more solid ones in all of baseball. And the Blue Jays made it look like it was BP. All right, Tyler Glass now. He had some things to say. Now we understand that, yes, there's going to be some enforcement here. So a 10-game suspension, if you're caught using illegal substances, sticky substances, okay, there's been a million names for it. They're going to check catchers as well. They're going to check pitchers. It's a little different for elite pitchers, right? There's, anyhow, the, the point is, is that 10-game suspension starting on Monday. It's Wednesday right now as we record, do the math, whatever, June, whatever that is. So on Monday... It's going to be enforced. Glass now then gets injured. And this is not a good injury. This is scary. Okay. Uh, he could pee out for a very long time. Right now, it's just a 10-day IL. That could be moved to something very different very soon. He says that by doing this in the middle of the season with enforcing the rule with foreign substances, it's the cause of his injury. And uh, he says, I need to use some substances. They're not really that bad, but I need to get a grip on it. And now you're making pitchers stop like cold turkey with what they're used to in the middle of the year. That's what he said. What do you think about his comments? I think it's complicated. I think from what he said, I I really did like, you know, 95% of what he said. I think the way he framed it, it came off like the sticky substances were solely the reason his UCL blew out. I have a hard time believing that Uh, for a guy who Tyler glass. Now he is, you know, when you think of the modern day pitcher, it's him, the guy who's just throwing a hundred, the stuff moves like it's a cartoon. Um, And this is a guy who, you know, before this year really never went deep in games. That was really the biggest criticism for him. And this year that's changed. We see right now, a lot of pitchers who have, you know, stayed healthy this year are passing that 60 game mark from last year. So they're kind of in that unknown territory coming off, you know, we're back to 162 game season with Tyler glass. Now though, I agree wholeheartedly with his point that major league baseball has made a huge mistake trying to implement this in season, because to me, it comes off like, you know, listen, they knew they made a huge mistake, not addressing this for years and years. They let it build and build. And now it's one of the main pillars of today's game where pitchers, you know, a majority of pitchers do not know how to throw without some form of substance on their hand. And listen, that contributes to these guys that throw a hundred, uh, and don't know where the ball is going. Yeah, they succeed in today. That's what the game is made up of. But they, you know, I, I have a feeling a lot of these guys are not going to be able to even come close to what they were doing without something on the ball. And it stuck out to me really weirdly that they went full no turkey, that Major League Baseball said nothing. You can't use anything except the rosin bag behind you. Uh, and we've seen Bob Melvin spoke out about this, uh, I believe, yesterday or two days ago. That it's not enough. It's not enough for these guys with the way the baseballs are being made today. Um, I don't know. It's a really slippery spot here. And it just goes back to the same idea in my head. Wow. Major League Baseball has fumbled another huge situation in the sport. And this one could be the most devastating one yet. It's one of those things that we'll wait and see because his comments, that's his opinion. That's his claim. And that's his 
theory. Okay, and, and it's one of those things. We just don't know. I don't know if he's right or wrong. It's more of a thank you for the idea. Now we'll, we'll take that into account and see. And that's the damage. That's where I took a step back because I appreciate him being so upfront about using stuff about what he was doing, uh, talking about using sunscreen and rosin and how he felt the pain and the difference. I appreciate him being honest because Garrett Cole could not do that. Garrett Cole did not care. Instead, he danced around it and he ended up looking like a clown because of it. Um, and, you know, whether he deserved that or not, he did it to himself in that spot. With Tyler Glass now, yeah, you're putting some real weird uh you know focus on this situation now claiming the injury and it puts baseball in an even crazier light where you know you don't have the evidence we really do not know now are you telling me I, I think it had an effect I think it played a part but if you're telling me Tyler Glasnow would not have you know blew his elbow out you know without if this never happened I have a really hard time believing that I'm sorry it, it just doesn't line up with you know everything we've seen with pitching injuries with arms throughout baseball's history well, yeah, he is a hundred mile an hour guy who's what, six, seven. Yep. Okay. So yeah, you know, I, I can kind of see where there would be some injury problems. I'm just talking realistically here when you're for, that height and you throw that hard. Yeah. For a guy who has an injury history, you know, like yeah. I, I hate to be that person, but he's missed time with elbow problems. Uh, it, it's just part of it. And he's been fortunate to stay healthy, but in this case, uh, having a partially torn UCL, a flexor tendon strain on top of it. He's saying, I hope I'm back for the postseason. Yikes. I, I really do not feel good about this. There has not been many examples of guys who opted against Tommy John when it seemed like the right decision. Uh, you know, we think of Masahiro Tanaka, but, you know, people bring that that example up. I, I hate that example because from when he injured his elbow, he was never the same pitcher after that. He was still good. He got the job done. But we remember Masahiro Tanaka when he first came to this league. He was an ace quality pitcher. Yep. Uh, and whether you want to look at Drew Pomerantz, Drew Pomerantz couldn't stay a starting pitcher. And he's turned into a very solid reliever, but he continues to have elbow problems and miss time. Uh, it's not something you can run away from. And especially when you're a young pitcher like he is, who is expecting to throw 100 for, you know, the foreseeable future here and be one of those explosive arms to stray away from Tommy John. It, it, it's not a good situation. I don't think it's going to work. And I think this could be a situation where Tyler Glassell ends up not only missing, you know, obviously the rest of this year, uh, but all of next year. Uh, I think that's a real possibility right now. And that sucks for the Rays who feel like they're really in a competitive window. And 2021 singled the start of when Tyler Glass now is the face of that pitching staff and really in some ways the face of the franchise, if you think about it. So this is a scary situation. And for him to bring this element into this conversation that we've had for months now, and this is a new twist. I mean, this was already taking twist after twist. This is a whole nother twist. And it's one of those things we'll wait and see. I mean, Look, we're not going to have any answers, real answers, until uh, I think a couple months. I agree. You're going to have to study a lot of data, injuries, how things pile up. I see people already claiming, you know, since the memo, I, you know, reports came out about the memo that, you know, offense is up. Well, it's the month of June. We usually see a, you know, a solid jump around this time of year. As it gets warmer, the ball starts carrying a little bit more. But what sticks out about Tyler Glass now is he is not Trevor Bauer. He's not Pete Alonzo, uh, who obviously brought up other conspiracies and issues going on with the sport right now, where I'm kind of like, you know, Tyler Glass now is known as a guy who's very candid, who's very honest, uh, you know, one of the more down to earth, you know, athletes we have in that game. Uh, he's not someone who bullshits or goes left or right saying different stuff. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I'm kind of sitting here and I'm like, yikes, this is scary. And, you know, Trevor Bauer really brought up this point as well, where he goes, you don't realize it, but when you have to grip the ball harder, like Tyler Glass now said, that's more strain on the forearm than you realize. Those are different muscles you have to use in order to, you know, to grip the ball and do what you need to do for it to move. Um, and Tyler Glass now said, when I woke up, I felt parts of my elbow and arm be sore that I had never felt before. And for pitchers that have just been almost babied with this stuff, I just can't not look at Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball and say, how can I not look at you as the number one at fault here for not addressing this problem? And now it's something in the sport that is just part of the culture that you need it probably at least an off season for guys to figure out how to pitch without it. In hindsight, it should have happened in March or February. That's when the time was. I, you know what, listen, if you're going and doing a history examination and all this, and, and you said and look back and said, you know what, they did it on June 15th. Can you believe that? They did it like two months in the year. That's hard to believe. It would be hard to believe for people who wouldn't be around right now. So yeah, you know what? It should have happened in February. The conspiracy theorists in the league, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them either. We have to remember, Tyler Glass now, yeah, he's candid, he's honest. He accused the Blue Jays of cheating um, several weeks ago, which was interesting. So this is not the first time this season that we've heard Glass now speak about something that's kind of like out of left field, like, whoa, okay, what are you talking about here, right? So this is interesting to me uh, because I don't look at him as one of the conspiracy theorists. No, and, you know, bringing up Pete Alonso earlier, no disrespect to Pete Alonso. He seems like a great clubhouse guy, he's a fun player to watch. I don't believe that Major League Baseball has been chaining the balls. The, the evidence just doesn't support it, uh, you know, for free agent classes and different stuff like that. And that's a real thing you got to watch out for right now, because now that, you know, Major League Baseball is going through these struggles and having these problems, there's guys who are going to try to jump on it. And the, mega, the biggest takeaway, like, that I continue to take away from all of this is, listen, don't listen to all the conspiracy theories. Pay attention to the disconnect between the players Uh in the commissioner, the owners realize how big of a, you know, how deep rooted these issues are where these guys believe they're being cheated out of money on a yearly basis. And if you're not expecting something really bad come this winter with the strike, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. That's kind of the elephant in the room. We can talk about what's going on in the field all we want, but once we get into August, September, it's going to be going through both our minds of, Hey, will we be here next summer talking about what we love to talk about? I don't know. I hope so. I really hope so, because what we saw during the pandemic, like in the early stages of the pandemic, that was kind of a mess. You know, like 12 months ago, it was a mess. Okay, 13 months ago. So let's hope that we're not getting back to that spot. And let's hope that on April 1st of 2022, there's a season. I hope so. I I sit there and I think, wow, Major League Baseball had an opportunity to be the first sport back to have the entire, you know, world really watching them just like we were watching the KBO Uh, and, you know, numbers were generating on ESPN. People were loving it. I know people who still bet on those games from when they got into it uh, just because they enjoy it. I just, I I can't, I can't see these two sides. They can't even agree on some form of a substance here. There's no connect between the players who, uh, and they talked about this on Buster Olney's podcast during the most recent player rep meeting, uh, you know, amongst all the teams, they go, does anyone here, and this is including hitters and pitchers, does anyone here have a problem with rosin, with rosin and sunscreen? No one said no. They said they're all okay with it. What they're worried about is the spider tack and these concoctions that guys are coming up with. 
The fact that the MLB couldn't work with them and be like, all right, let me meet you in the middle here. Let me find this substance, which Tyler Glass now, for example, said he used uh, and helped him. And a lot of pitchers claim to use. Where are we going? You know, we can't even have a basic conversation here. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's almost like there's two different conversations going on. There's one side and they're saying one thing. The other side is saying another. And we need to work together. It, that's that simple. We're talking about cheating here. Okay, this isn't about what kind of cut are you getting and what's going on at the latest TV deal. We're talking about cheating on the field. And that's when you really need to unite and work together. So this is mind blowing to me. It's like they don't understand their pockets are intertwined here. Like, I I hate to bring it down to money, but you guys realize if baseball continues in this direction where, you know, the players and the owners hate each other and you can't figure the game out and create a product that doesn't have scandals every single, you know, every couple of years now, then where is this game going to be 10 years from now? Because you're not pulling numbers like the NBA or the NFL. You're not reaching those heights. And, you know, it was great to see the beginning of the year with the stars. And there's so much good going on in the game. But all of it is overshadowed now. You have some of the best young players. You have Vlad Guerrero Jr., one of the biggest stars, his father in the last 30 years. His son is outdoing him and, you know, looking like this is just the beginning and nobody's talking about it. All we're talking about is foreign substances, uh, you know, pitching injuries uh, and an upcoming strike, which are probably the three ugliest things you could imagine right now. The three ugliest, absolutely. I mean, is there anything uglier, first of all, than a strike or a lockout or anything? 1994 was very damaging to Major League Baseball. 1998 kind of brought it back for a minute, but I still know people who have told me. They say, hey, listen, I I haven't watched since 94. And that, to me, as someone who was born in the mid-90s, right? I'm thinking about that, and I'm going, whoa, wow, that's quite remarkable to me how it's been that long and you still don't have any interest. So it could be damaging. I thought last year could have been damaging, but they kind of got out of it. Right. And then we had that start 60 game season. I was really worried last year, but there's a part two to this and it's what happens in the winter of 2021 into 2022. Yeah. I I would definitely not compare last year, like to 94, for example, because I agree. I've heard plenty of people, you know, I work with a lot of older people who are like, yeah, ever since then, like I was a baseball first guy. And then when that happened, I turned to the NFL, I turned to the NBA and I just never came back to it the same way. Uh, You know, viewership and a lot of stuff has shown that. Uh, But yeah, last year, I, I still look at last year had an impact. It definitely wasn't a good one. And it was a rough time for the sport. But I think you know, for us, we, we move past it because we, we follow the game. But the people who don't, who are the casuals, who just follow the headlines, that's still one of the first things that come to their mind. And that's what scares me because it, we saw how much great stuff happened in 60 games last year, how fun the postseason was. And the fact that still you ask a lot of people what they remember most about baseball last year, it's what happened before the season. And that's where the problem lies again and again. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Again, it's going to be maybe the main storyline as we go on here. So I think we should warn people because we've seen it in other sports, right? I mean, we've seen lockouts, NBA lockouts. We've seen NHL lockouts, NFL sort of, not really. Uh, That would be a mess. Can you imagine NFL lockout? My goodness. But (laughs) uh, there might be one in Major League Baseball and it could be a strike too. I don't know. But the point is, is that there's not an agreement right now. So they need to get to the bargaining table and get one. And hopefully that happens. Now, should we talk about Jack Leiter? Hold on here. I I was surprised. 
you you uh, threw a curveball at me. The Red Sox now. Um, listen, I think you're getting greedy here because that 60 game season. I think people in Boston are saying, "Oh, we love the 60 game season." Now that was great. Look who we might get in the draft. All the pain, the most hard to watch season. And this is coming. I, I've watched the, some of the struggles in the mid, you know, 2010s that they had after their 2013 title. Uh, whether you want to go back to 2012, how miserable the Bobby Valentine year was. Nothing was as bad as the 60 games last year. Worst baseball I've ever had to watch on a daily basis. Uh, but fan graphs came out. They dropped their most recent uh, mock draft. Uh, and between uh, Kevin Goldstein and Eric Longenhagen, they both kind of gave their predictions and just a huge nugget that blew up amongst Red Sox fans. I'll read it for you right here. Uh, this is from Goldstein. He goes, word is lighter is trying to price himself down to Boston and wants to land there. Um, word is that Boston would love that as well. Thus, a match made in heaven. So Woo! what is he implying there? He's implying that Jack Leiter isn't pitching his best for the sole reason of moving his draft stock down to get to number four, which is the Red Sox. The way I took it is more uh, when it comes to how the money works in the early parts of the MLB draft. And we've seen it, you know, number one picks who have not signed in recent years. And, you know, it's created a whole thing. I think Leiter is letting those teams know, listen, you're going to have to pay big. You're going to probably overslot if you want me here. The Red Sox, I'm willing. I'm a little bit more willing to work with y'all. I, I, mm. That's where I want to go. And listen, to think, you know, a month ago, Jack Leiter coming to the Red Sox did not seem plausible. And it's not like he's had a bad year. He really has helped just lead Vandy. They're going to the College World Series. They're going to Omaha. Uh, and, you know, this season, 16 starts, 216 ERA, 14.6K per nine, 3.8 walks per nine, a little high there. Um, uh, the home runs at times get a, you know, have not been the best. He's allowed 12 home runs this year, uh, but he's only giving up 3.8 hits per nine and uh, it's a 127 batting average against. You're talking the most, you know, polished college pitcher, a guy who's in his sophomore year still. So he's on the younger side. He just turned 21. And for a Red Sox farm system that has struggled so badly to develop pitching over the last really 20 years. Wow. This is the kind of thing that can really push a system that's on its way up to a whole nother level. My question to you is, does this whole issue of signing bonuses and draft stock do teams and particularly Pittsburgh, Texas, Detroit, do they look at that and say, okay, you know what? There's other pitchers. Maybe we shouldn't take Jack Leiter here. Kumar Rocker maybe, right? Yeah, I can see it. I think Kumar, it seems like he's kind of his stock out of, you know, really that top group is at the lowest right now. Uh, just over concerns about the body and the inconsistency of the stuff, which he's having a great year. It's just his stuff fluctuates a little bit more than like Jack Leiter's. And I think the other thing is you've seen the prep shortstops. Where some of those organizations are, a college pitcher doesn't exactly not that you draft for need in the MLB draft, but for an organization like the Pirates that is so far away from contending, sometimes you want to bet on the prep bat and, you know, a little ce more ceiling, for example, and say, let's let this guy, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Mayor or whoever you want to throw in that kind of conversation, Lawler, one of those two prep shortstops uh, who really have a huge ceiling. It, I can't blame them for leaning that way because there's plenty to get excited about. I think Leiter just fits exactly what the Red Sox are looking for. He could be up in the major leagues probably within a year and a half, uh, you know, a kind of quick riser. And he'll be pitching in one of the best markets in the game. And no disrespect to those first three, you know, teams ahead of them. They're just not the Boston Red Sox. Nope. There's something about the Boston Red Sox. You saw in Moneyball, right? Billy Bean was meeting 
Um, and uh, he said, listen, it's the Red Sox. I have to at least entertain any offers that came my way at the end of the movie, of course. But you know what? It, the draft is interesting because it was a shortened season last year. Okay. But you have to look at where these guys have been during the pandemic, you know, like these prospects. It hasn't been a normal year. And a guy like Jack Leiter, look, um, if you're going to talk about signing bonuses now, I think that's a dangerous place to go if you're Texas, Pittsburgh, Detroit, because you just want to replenish your firm system here. And you don't want to think about signing bonuses right now and the logistics around it. And I think that's a dangerous conversation to have. I think it benefits the Red Sox. I think it's exciting times for the Red Sox. I agree. I, I think just where the Red Sox are right now, and you know they have a system that's continuing to trend upwards. Tristan Cassis and Jaron Duran now both being seen as top 30 prospects, which was a pretty big revealing on Baseball America's latest top 100. And when it comes to signing bo- bonuses, we saw last year, the Red Sox went way out to left field. They drafted Nick York, uh, who a lot of people didn't even have a first round grade on. That pick has looked pretty solid so far. Uh, after a slow start this year, he's hitting well in the minors, and we saw him show up to the ATS last year and actually swing the bat against a lot more polished competition. Uh, Vandy's coach, their head coach, said that uh, York was the best high school bat that he saw last year. So, you know, th- there was a lot going there, in the and the Red Sox trusted their scouting in that way. Um, I think this year where the Red Sox are at, they're going to – just it's not about pooling money like you did to get a blaze jordan when you're this high in the draft you just you get the best thing you can get here uh and i'd be shocked if the red Sox did otherwise jack Leiter checks off everything they could want uh, and listen i'm a big henry davis guy you know he's another one that i've really fallen in love with this draft process but jack Leiter's the guy that you know team people in the top four whether your favorite team is there He's the one that's always coming to mind again and again, because you could see him being the next pitcher that just soars through the minors and becomes a Walker Bueller. Yep. Or a a Steven Strasburg, top of the line prospect. And everyone has their eyes on him right from the get-go. Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville, is really seeing his draft stock rise. So that's an interesting one because, look, there's some franchise catchers in this league that you couldn't imagine teams affect. I'm talking about Posey. I'm talking, you know, Molina. Those catchers of the world. It's very, very interesting when there's a catcher who has been labeled, oh, a potential franchise catcher. Oh, okay. You kind of throw him in that pitcher's category at that point because it's like, well, it's a catcher, right? I mean, that would be a huge asset to bring in the organization. But let's have a home run derby game here, okay? Let's pick our dream home run derby groups. Now, I have a question before we start, though. Is this for 2021 specifically? For example, if I want Mike Trout, Mike Trout's injured, but if I want Mike Trout, is that still possible? Yes. This is like, if you could just sit there and be like, outside of the politics, outside of guys being worried about their swings being broken, whatever it may be, you get to see these guys that you always want to see right now, today's baseball game, the, you know, the stars of the league, who do you wish signed up? Uh, and I think we're going to have some overlaps here, but I'm curious to see, cause I think after the initial four or five, it gets a little bit interesting, whether you lean superstar or just maximum power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's do it. You know what? It reminds me a lot of the slam dunk contest in terms of who would you want to see that? I think that in major league baseball, the advantage is there because in the slam dunk contest, LeBron James has never participated. Everyone has been on him for years upon years to participate. He wouldn't do it. And in Major League Baseball, we've seen some pretty high-profile talent compete in the Home Run Derby. So I think there's an advantage there. Who's your number one guy? 
I got to go Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, just from what he's doing, obviously, you know, being right near the top of the MLB in home runs right now, one of the most lethal swings in the game. It's not crazy. We all see Ronald Acuna Jr. as one of the premier stars. And I can't see my dream home run derby not having him because I feel like someone with his swagger, the way he, you know, just how he carries himself, he's built for that kind of event. Yeah, I had Acuna as well, but I'll go with number one. I'm going to say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because this guy, he was in the majors for about two months, 2019. He went to the Home Run Derby. He was in Cleveland and he set records and he was in uh, the majors for about two months. He's already made his name at the Derby. He's done it already. Okay. He can do it again. And I, it could be even better. Um, it's tough to beat what he did in 2019, but oh my goodness i mean if he's we just talked about him winning the triple crown how can we not see him in a home run derby now yeah i remember thinking back to what vlad guerrero did or vlad guerrero jr did during that home run derby and obviously pete alonzo ends up taking it away uh but it had real strong josh hamilton justin Moore, no 2008 vibes and i've always kind of thought about it that way but vlad guerrero jr he's right on my list as well uh the power everything he brings watching you know the son of another guy who obviously was one of the better power hitters in the sport for a long time how could you not want to watch him? And when he gets a hold of a ball, just like you saw in that series finale game between the Red Sox and Blue Jays, there's maybe, you know, three or four other guys who can hit a ball like that. If you want to see exit velocity and distance break on StatCast, it's him. Well, that's the thing, right? And I think that that's the direction that I'm going to lean into a little bit when I name some more players here. I'm curious if you lean also going heavy on that exit velocity for a home run derby candidate. A hundred percent. And you know, that goes with my next guy. I'll go Jordan Alvarez. Jordan, like yeah. I, I I think watching Jordan Alvarez, he doesn't get enough credit amongst young hitters in this game for how lethal he's been uh, since coming into the big leagues. It's his special powers. You're going to see left sided. So, you know, you get some of the really majestic kind of swing where, you know, everyone loves a nice left-handed swing. It's the prettiest thing in baseball. Uh, and he's someone I just, I would love to see him just hack and hack and hack. And obviously we've seen a lot of great things from him, but he's also dealt with a lot of injuries. Just letting him let go for one night, oh, it, it sounds as you know fun as any guy trying to hit home runs. Yeah, Alvarez, definitely, to me, I, every time I watch him, I'm going, hold on, why aren't we talking about Jordan Alvarez enough? And as someone who can be an MVP guy year after year, you know, I mean, this year could be difficult with Otani and Guerrero kind of going head-to-head here, but 2022, 23, I mean, I'm putting Alvarez right there. And when it comes to the Astros in particular, I'm going to kind of take Alvarez over Bregman at some point when it comes to those kind of conversations. I'll match your lefty with another lefty, and I'll go with a guy who's back on the IL right now, but it's Cody Bellinger. I want to see him, and and I've seen him kind of take part in these showcases before. Um, From the left side, he's got that swing that you want to see over and over and over again. He's perfect for the home run derby because of that. It's a showcase event. He's got the power. He's got the, 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 the ability from the left side to just kind of have that consistency over and over again. He's a guy that I can say, yeah, you know what? If he gets hot, he's in 30 right now. No, 100%. Uh, he would be a blast watch. And I actually didn't have him on my list. And, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy in real life. I know we just talked about that last week, hoping, he, you know, he'd be able to stay right. But yeah, Cody Bellinger, he's another one of those guys with those swings. One of the young stars of baseball where you watch him and you're like, yeah, this is why baseball, in terms of athleticism and player-wise, is in the best place it's ever been. Um, I, I would love to see someone like him in that spot. Uh, my next one, uh, this is a little, you win a little left field, I'll go a little left field. Joey Gallo, uh, someone who 
we've really recognized as arguably the best, you know, pure power for talking just who can hit the ball the farthest. It's probably been him for quite a few years now. Obviously, as a whole, the batting average in line usually does not match up. Uh, but he's someone like an Adam Dunn in my head that you just you want to see him hit bombs. That's it. And I feel like he's someone you give him a couple rounds, even if he doesn't make it to the championship, he's probably going to hit a ball or two people remember for a very long time. Yeah, one of those like 480-ers or something, you know, if we're talking about distance, I'd love to see Gallo uh, take part in one, especially we have to also mention here, it's a course field in 2021. Like, how's that going to affect things? That's got to add a whole new twist to it. I'd love to see Gallo at course field hitting home runs after home run. And you know what? That That to me is someone absolutely... It just hasn't translated completely in terms of the average, but we know the power is there and probably will be for a long time. Exactly. And when it comes to home run derby, I'm I'm just looking for bombs and stat cast exavilo. That's it. That's all I want. And that's Joey Gallo's middle name. Yep, absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you some exit velo here and I'll go from the right side of the plate. And that's Giancarlo Stanton, because I feel like he can pick whoever he wants to throw to him. Could be the pitching coach, could be a buddy of his. But just throw it low, right? Like just at the knees, he's going to golf it out of there. He loves it low. And I think he would put on an absolute show like he has in the past, okay? I'm not acting like we've never seen him before in a home run derby. I know we have. I want to see it again. I want to see him in the pinstripes doing it. Um, And I think that'd be a lot of fun too. You can't go wrong with a pick like that. I'm not going to lie. I did protest Giancarlo San for how he's performed this year and the fact that he refuses to play defense anymore. Uh, Both of those things bother me a ton, but they don't matter when it comes to the home run derby. Uh, We're talking about just putting on a show and, you know, you play MLB the show and you go online home run derby. He's in every single one, no matter what. Uh, So I can't blame you for going there. I think, I I don't know if you have this guy on your list, Aaron judge, he's not on mine, but he's, he fits right into that kind of lane. I'll raise you Pete Alonzo, who we talked about a little bit earlier, obviously the reigning champion from the home run derby, a guy who, I appreciate someone who embraces it. He is all talking. He says, I'll do it every single year if they ask me to. And for a lot of guys who are scared or hesitant to do it, I understand it. I know it can mess with your swing, but I love a guy who's truly committed to the event, who wants to put that show on. And when you're talking, he's one of the best power hitters in the entire game. I don't know how you can go wrong there. I also love a guy that embraces an event like that. I have a problem with it with the slam dunk contest. Way too many of the top players Do not take part in it. They don't embrace it at all. Now, I've heard for years upon years about fans of different teams saying, no, 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 I don't want to see him in the home run derby because it will mess up his swing. This is a big second half of the season. We cannot be fooling around of home run derby here. I've heard that a lot. So that is real. But I do like how some players are just not scared of it. And Pete Alonso's won. Do it every year, man. Do it. Let's see it. Let's see how many you can win, right? So absolutely, I love how Pete Alonso, who put on a show as well, not to take any way from him when he was going up against Vlad. So uh, absolutely, I want to see Fernando Tatis Jr. I think that we have to do the triple junior here with Tatis, Acuna, Guerrero Jr. We've mentioned them all now within this whole game we're playing. He's got 21 home runs. As we're recording this, he's just hit another one at... Cord's field so he's got 21 i believe now um how can he not be included in this event yeah that that's a hard one uh, i can't blame you i just saw that bomb it was what like 470 something uh fernando tatis jr man it doesn't it doesn't get crazier than that uh and to think he's doing this with a bad shoulder it, it, 
scary. It, it really is kind of scary. Um, but yeah, I, I think you throw Fernando Tatis Jr. in there. How can't you? Um, and he's the kind of face of the game, you know, MLB, the show cover. I love it. I think he, if you know, you're ranking guys, he probably has to be top two or top three on everybody's list. Um, but yeah, I love Fernando Tatis Jr. Another guy who kind of fits right in there, Juan Soto. Uh, kind of crazy. We haven't brought him up yet either, who is just obviously not having the same year we've seen over, you know, last year, for example, but still one of the best power hitters, one of the best pure hitters in the game. And I feel like he's someone who really could hit some unique home runs. You would not just see the typical pull home runs you see in the home run derby. He is so, he has so much control and feel for his bat. You might see some of those, you know, oppo shots that we kind of saw with Robinson Cano at one point. Mm, Yeah. He's just a great hitter. Right. And you'd like to see that element of the home run derby too. We were talking about exit velocity and all that. How about just a good hitter who can hit it over the fence, but also has a sense of what he's doing with the bat. That would be fun. Juan Soto fits the bill. Now, of course, I want to see Mike Trout, and this is the kind of the final guy that I have because to me, he's the best player in the game. I know he's injured, but I want to include the best player in these showcase events. I'll bring up the slam dunk contest again. I don't understand. That's as creative and skillful as it gets. I don't know how you don't have the best player in your sport in that event. I think Mike Trout should be in these events. That's my opinion. I agree. And, you know, him not being in it is a big part of the reason he's so underrated in the game today in terms from a public, you know, standpoint. We've seen Bryce Harper do it, you know, and it created some of the coolest moments we've seen in the home run derby between him and his dad. Um, So I would love to see it. And I look at, you know, the NBA and you mentioned LeBron. It's unfortunate, but LeBron at this point, putting him in the dunk contest just he's past that, you know, physical prime. But like you said, for years, begging and begging just one time because we knew if he did it it would be one of the most watched things going on in sports for you know that entire year you put Mike Trout in the home run derby it's not going to have that same excitement but I think if people you know got to see what he could do with you know batting practice fastballs and how much he can really rip the ball it just more paint the picture for people who don't watch the angels or keep up with that side of things of how special he really is I'd love to see his teammate as well, Shohei Otani, who's just made looking home runs at uh, Oakland Coliseum look very easy over the last two days. He's hit another one today, Shohei Otani, on the first pitch he saw from Cole Irving. So you know what? I want to see two Angels. I want to see two Yankees, Stanton and Judge. And I want to see the juniors, Acuna Tatis Guerrero. And then we'll fill out the rest with whoever, right? If you want to throw in Chris Bryant or something, go for it. I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. And that's kind of what I want to see. And a guy like Gallo and the, the whole pull hitter guys. Yeah, throw all those guys in there. Uh, about LeBron, yeah, I mean, five or six years ago, I was really banging on the table saying he's got to be in it. I've lost interest now. I mean, yeah. it's over now. We've lost a chance. We've lost a chance. Exactly. And it sucks because, you know, it's just one of those things you look back and you're like, I wish he had that moment. Not that he needs it. We all know he doesn't, but it would have been cool to see him dominate in just another way with all the in-game dunks we've seen. Um, Speaking of the home run derby guys that kind of left to the side, I'll throw Ryan McMahon in there. He listen, he's not, he's not in the same category as any of the guys we mentioned. Well, let's just keep it a buck, but I love a guy who, you know, playing at cores, he plays in Colorado, let him put on a show. He's shown some, you know, solid power, solid power numbers this year. Why not? Sometimes these guys get a little bit of an extra breeze underneath them. I think from a storyline standpoint, which is never the main reason for the home run derby, I think he could give Rockies fans, it could be a possible bright moment, which things are as bad as they get for that franchise right now. 
Okay, so I'm going to take the storyline to another level. Ryan McMahon's in the Derby, and his first-round opponent is Nolan Arenado. Oh, and it's woo. at Coors Field, and it's going to be a packed house. So how about that? I think that needs to happen. I legitimately think that should happen, actually, now that we bring it up. I don't see why that can't happen. Yeah, with the year Nolan Arenado's put in, no one would blink twice thinking about it. Uh, and bringing him back to Coors, really that return, you know, in front of, you know, all these fans and, you know, on a big scale, you know, because we know we're never going to see it in the playoffs or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, oh, my God, I can't even imagine it. And it'd be the typical, like, that's the closest thing Nolan Arenado is going to get to a big moment at Coors. You know, let's just be real here. Have that moment, have that true goodbye, have that true respect given to you and give not only Nolan Arenado, who's still been very underappreciated throughout his career, uh, you know, that moment to say thank you. Thank you to everyone. And let me shine here and show you how it's done and why I'm one of the premier players in the game. And we know that Nolan Arenado is ultra competitive. If he was in an event like that, he would be in it to win it. And especially in Denver, especially in it to win it. That is the squeeze. I'm Logan Lockhart. That's Tyler Milliken. It's presented by Primetime Sports Talk. If you're watching, it's on YouTube. Listening anywhere you get your podcast, listen to it. It's all baseball all the time. Your baseball fix on Primetime Sports Talk. The squeeze. Tyler, final words. Uh, listen, I hope things in baseball right now, a week from now, we're in a slightly better place. We're going to start to see the first, uh, the first inklings of what it's like with umpires checking everyone. I'm expecting some drama. I'm not going to lie. I believe the first pitcher who is going to do it under the new rules is Jacob deGrom. Uh, so we'll see. He's not a guy who, you know, we really put in that spin rate foreign substance drama, but things are going to pop off over the next couple of weeks. And trust me, if there's a place to talk about it, it's going to be here. You kind of just threw a bombshell on me, and now I'm really looking forward to talking about that. You just made a prediction about who the first pitcher will be that's caught in this new era. Not caught. I'm not saying caught. Okay. So he's the first pitcher on time that will pitch. So just do it where the game is at. So you know how umpires, they will be checking everyone. He will be the first pitcher check. The prediction, there won't be anything there. I do not believe Jacob DeGrom's a cheater. Um, I see. I'm happy I clarified that because yes. fans would have been coming for me, uh, I, no. <laughs> but he will be the first pitcher check simply for the fact that that's just what the rules and baseball will be doing from this point forward. Right. And kind of looking at when he's going to be on the mound. I believe the Grom is on the mound today as we're recording. Yep. That is correct against I, the Cubs. I believe so. But once people watch this, that start will already be uh, out the window, but always tuning in. It's become must see. Can he get, I believe he's nine innings away to get his ERA down to 0.5. Let's see it. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, uh, no, I can't. I, you know, you're right though. Your reaction is right. It's like, how can you doubt him at this point? He's made me look stupid so many times. I will not be, I will not fall again. Even if I end up being wrong here. (laughs) All right. Complete game shutout. Let's do it. Hell yeah. That's the squeeze until next week. Here we are signing off.